Thank you, Janie and Ashley, for ministering in music. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for the cross and authority's hour for you to be glorified. As we reflect on Christ this morning in context of various worldviews, we want to be hearers and doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Peter was to be crucified, and he requested that he be crucified upside down because he didn't feel that he was worthy to be crucified the way Christ was crucified, according to what tradition would say. James was beheaded. John was exiled because of his faith in Christ. Andrew was crucified. Philip was scourged, thrown into prison, and then crucified. Bartholomew was cruelly beaten and then crucified. Matthew was killed with a spear and a battle axe. Thomas was thrust through with a sword. Simon the Zealot was crucified. Why would those that Christ chose to follow him be willing to die a cruel death, many of them similar to what Christ died? What motivated them? What was present in their life? that they responded and acted in that way. That ties in with what we're discussing. We've been discussing various worldviews and answering some questions. Who am I? How did the world get here? And so on. Coming from a naturalistic point of view, that's basically the belief that says the world can be explained by natural causes alone. The ultimate reality is material. And the physical universe is all that there is. Transcendentalism sees the world as spiritual or psychic oneness. God is in everything in some way, shape, or form. God is not personal, but impersonal. And that provides direction for life. Another worldview is Islam that says Allah is God. Or transcendent, I'm sorry, and relatively impersonal. There's no trinity. There's no God but Allah. And Muhammad is his prophet. And Christ was a man below Muhammad in importance, not the son of God. He didn't die and so on. Christianity, the living, personal God, made himself known and he can be known. Revelation is central. And he revealed himself in creation in Christ and in Scripture. This morning we want to look at briefly the various worldviews and how they respond to what about Christ? Naturalism would say, no, Christ may have been a good man, a product of his culture, but they would stop with that. Transcendentalism would say Christ was an enlightened being. Islam would say he was a prophet. He did not die. He was taken to heaven by Allah. He was a messenger of Allah, but not as great as Muhammad. Christianity, we would say he's a creator. The son of God, the lamb of God, 
life, light, bread of life, living water. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Christ is central when it comes to worldviews. And we find that naturalism, transcendentalism, and Islam would not have a biblical view of Christ. Paul writes the book of Colossians to the believers in Colossae. Apparently there was some teaching coming along that was saying, Christ is not creator. He's not light, he's not life, he's not the Lamb of God, he's not the Son of God, he's not the bread of life, he's not the living water. He's just one in a series of beings that you go through to get to God. So you have angels, you have Christ. So he's one of many. And in our world today, many times when we speak of Christ, people are willing to hear us, but they see him as one of many, not as unique and different. So the people to whom Paul is writing were hearing incorrect teaching, and Paul emphasizes Christ. He thanks God for them, and then he prays for them, and then picking up with verse 15 of chapter 1, he talks about Christ and who he is. He, referring to Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And he goes on to explain that we were alienated, but through Christ will be presented to God holy. In chapter 2, he talks about the fullness of Christ, you know, being in human form. When Christ came, he was deity. But go back to verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. When you see Christ, when he was on this earth, you saw God. The image of the invisible God. God being invisible, seen in Christ. He's the firstborn over all creation. He's a priority in, over, in all creation. And it clearly states in verse 16, he is the creator. For by him all things were created. Heaven, earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities. When he talks about thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities, he's talking about the spirit world. They're referred to in chapter 2. He created them. They were created by him and for him. He's before all things, 
and in him all things hold together. In chemistry class, remember studying about atoms, molecules, and so on. My understanding is, according to what we are told, <clears throat> that if molecules and atoms were not held together, what happens? They would fly apart. When you think about the power of an atomic bomb, what are we doing? We're breaking something apart that Christ in normal life holds together. Who Christ is. He's the head of the body, the church. We think about the body of Christ. I prayed earlier about those who are being persecuted. Believers worldwide, he's the head of the body of Christ those who have come to faith in Christ. He's the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. He came from the dead to die no more. He's the firstborn, the first one to come from the dead to die no more. That means there's others going to follow. Believers in Christ and the future being raised. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. And it pleased God to have, in verse 19, all his, that's God's fullness, dwell in Christ. When Christ was here, the fullness of God. And it was through Christ reconciliation takes place through his blood. He's the Lamb of God. He's the one who is sacrificed. And again, we can read on in Colossians and see what it says about Christ. So how you answer the question, who is Christ or what about Christ, makes a difference what happens down the road in life. All worldviews let out Christ. All. All. Christianity, even in some of what we call the bigger picture of Christianity, may have a distorted view of Christ. Whether it be naturalism, transcendentalism, the Eastern religions, but very prevalent in our country, Islam, do not properly see Christ. The very core is missing. We could look at Hebrews chapter 1. We could look at 1 John chapter 4. We could look at John's gospel along with many other passages that talk about Christ, who he is, and hold him up for who he is. So with that in mind, as it relates to worldview, how does naturalism, transcendentalism, Islam, and Christianity see Christ? Why is Christianity unique? What is different about Christianity versus naturalism versus transcendentalism versus Islam? Yes. And that everyone else 
I'm not saying we have discovered that. I'm saying we have, we're acknowledging that Christ came. And the issue when I mentioned, um, well, when I was comparing earlier, the idea of revelation. You know, God has revealed it. And what they would say about Christ, they would not see Christ as Scripture would present Christ. That's where I'm coming, you know, what I would be saying. I'm not saying we as a church or some branches of Christianity are exclusive in the sense that, you know, we have everything exactly right. So, you have further question? Okay. So in light of that, you know, Christ being who he is, I was going to make other comment, but I'll save that for another time. <laughs> uh, why is Christianity unique? And when I say Christianity, I'm speaking broadly, I'm not speaking of the Baptist or any particular denomination, because Christ, because of who Christ is. He's creator. He's light. He's life. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. He's the living water. The bread of life. I am. The Good Shepherd. One with the Father. He's the resurrection. He's the way. He's the truth. Christ is central. And you push Christ to the background or have a distorted view of him. You miss so much. No religious or worldview founder claims all of the above. Christ claims them all in John's gospel. There are many witnesses to Christ being the creator, life, light, lamb of God, and so on. Listen as I read from 1 John chapter 1. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that we may have fellowship with us, or so that you also may have fellowship with us. He's talking about Christ. He says, we have looked at, our eyes have seen, we have touched. He appeared. We have heard. The 12, I guess we could say 11, Judas is not in the picture, but Paul would have come on, would testify concerning Christ, that he is who he claimed to be. That makes Christianity unique. A second item, because of the foundation laid, the preparation, the prophecy, the prediction, the historical evidence for Christ and Scripture. And I have that in 
I put holy book in parentheses because most religions have some type of holy book. So we're saying Christianity has a holy book, the Bible. These items span some 4,000 years from the first mention in Genesis 3 to the fulfillment in Christ. And then Christ living and Christ written. I think that is significant. The religions of the world do they present if you want to say some 4,000 years of history of what is going to come. God, in eternity, we know, talks about Christ dying. He died some 2,000 years ago in the real world. And it's through Christ that this becomes a reality. God had prophets. Prophets spoke of Christ. And then ultimately Christ came, and we would say in light of Deuteronomy 18, he was the final prophet. No other religion or worldview can make that claim. Thirdly, why is Christianity unique? Because the relationship with God, reconciliation, regeneration, salvation, They're available through Christ. In Christ is done at the ascension of Christ. This relationship is totally dependent upon one outside of ourselves. It's not dependent upon anything we can do. There's one word in there that I would emphasize, done. Christ died. He arose from the dead. He ascended to his Father. Done. Hebrews, listen as I read from Hebrews chapter 10. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, referring to Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This priest had offered for all time one sacrifice. He sat down at the right hand of God. The reconciliation, the regeneration, the salvation that is available in and through Christ is done. It's completed. You talk to many people in our valley or people in the world at large, they're continually striving to do to measure up, 
through Christ, it's done. And we're trusting in one who has completed it. There's a marked difference between doing and done. By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And you find that one sacrifice in Christ is emphasized particularly in Hebrews. Christianity, unique in that way. A fourth item, because the saints walk with God, is a response to the acceptance, the resources we have in Christ. There is radical, ongoing transformation due to being in Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. To get. No. Responding to what has been given. Read through the Bible sometime with the idea that God created us as responders, as humans. So he created, he wanted Adam and Eve to respond to him. He came to the Jewish people. He wanted them to respond to him and his revelation. Christ came, and the twelve responded to him. He wants believers today to respond to him. So as you think about the religions of the world, you think about just religious people in general, many are doing to get. Biblically, It's done in Christ. We respond to what is done for us in grace. And that response is in obedience. Think about the marriage relationship. In marriage, the husband is to picture Christ. And he does picture Christ. The wife is to respond to that love of Christ. She responds. It's not a have to. It's a response. That's why he says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. The response of the wife is to be a complement, to follow, and so on. And as you think about Scripture... We don't do to try to measure up to God. We respond to what God has already done in Christ. And take your Bibles and turn to Colossians, Ephesians first, Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, Paul mentions over and over again, in Christ, in Christ, through Christ, And then in chapter 4 and verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul was in prison. 
I urge you, I'm encouraging you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And he says, be completely humble and so on. In light of chapters 1, 2, and 3, what you have in Christ, what you have through Christ, respond and live a life worthy of that calling. Be completely humble and gentle, he says. Be patient, bearing with one another. At the end of chapter 3, he said, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Respond to that power. It would be like my going back to my growing up days and I said, Dad, I'd like to have the car tonight. Can I have the car? And Dad says, yeah, you can have the car tonight. So we have supper together, and Dad says, uh, you're going to go away? Yeah, where are you going? Well, go over and see Ruth Ann for a couple hours. Well, he said, I want you to know that you're going with my blessing. And to demonstrate my blessing, I have the car. It's all filled with gas. It's sitting in the driveway. It's all tuned up. It's in the best condition that it can be in. I responded to that and got in the car and went to see Ruth Ann. I didn't have to do anything to measure up for dad to respond. He already responded. He gave the car. He had the car. It was his car. He had it full of gas. And everything else, I responded to what he gave. When Paul says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And then he says, live a life worthy of the calling. It's a response to what has already been given. would be like Tom saying to his daughter, Michelle, <clears throat> when she gets married, Michelle, I love you. I care for you. I want you to have a nice wedding. And I have budgeted for your wedding. Don't die, Tom. $200,000. Do with it any way you want. Because you know my heart. You know what I desire, what I don't desire. 200000 to spend any way you want within my budget and my desires. She chooses to respond to that gift. Don't make it that high, Tom. <laughs> what has God done? God says there's, through Christ there's a power at work within us. Respond to that by living a life worthy. As we think about Christ, we think about Scripture. That is unique. Because the religions of the world, the world views are doing to get. 
So as we talk to religious people, we're offering something that's already done. They respond to it. So I would pose a question to you. Have you partaken of that gracious gift of Christ? Have you come to faith in Christ? If not, why not today? If you have come to faith in Christ, are you living in response to God and what we have in Christ? Later, what we've been discussing, any comments or response before we sing together? See, the reason the 12 would die for Christ is because they understood who Christ was and what had been done. Biblically, a biblical worldview is different than other worldviews. Any Comments, questions before we sing. One other challenge. We have a message to share with the world. We can proclaim to the world it's been done in Christ. So as you go to your job, as you interact with your neighbor, as you talk to other students, we proclaim a message. The way we live and the way we respond, it's done. Let's sing together.